electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod, the daily podcast brought to you by the team behind Squawk Box. NYC, this is CNBC Control 2. CNBC's essential morning show. PCRQ. Every day, get the best stories, debate, and analysis from the biggest names in business and politics. All right, we're coming to it next. Today on Squawk Pod. The latest on possible retaliation from Iran, CNBC contributor Michelle Caruso Cabrera. What I would be worried about is some kind of cyber attack. Tensions in the Middle East are escalating as the Iranians vow to take revenge for the U.S. airstrike that killed their top military leader. Crisis management expert Eric Desenhall charts the future for Carlos Ghosn. The objective here is not a restoration of his of reputation or a return to being CEO of a company. The best case scenario for the ousted Nissan leader since he's fled house arrest in Japan. And New Year's resolutions mean a boost for the diet biz. The CEO of WW, formerly known as Weight Watchers. You can eat anything, you just can't eat everything. What 2020 and Oprah Winfrey have done for her business. Those stories and more. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. It's Monday, January 6, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, kill please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. We are live from the NASDAQ market site in Times Square. I'm Becky Quick along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. First up, today, an update on U.S. tensions with Iran. Over the weekend, the Iranians vowed to take revenge on the United States for killing Tehran's top military general in an airstrike last week. And Secretary of State Mike Pompeo joined Meet the Press on Sunday to discuss retaliation. The American people should know that we have prepared for this, that we are ready and that the president will take every action necessary to respond should Iran decide to escalate. President Trump commented on retaliation over the weekend as well, tweeting that should Iran take reciprocal action, the United States would strike quickly and fully back and perhaps in a disproportionate manner. Later today, a high-stakes meeting between the U.S. and Iraq, with the Iraqi prime minister expected to ask American military forces to leave his country in the wake of the attack on the Iranian leader Soleimani in Baghdad. For now, we're bringing you today's conversation on Squawk Box with Michelle Caruso Cabrera. She's a CNBC contributor, and she spent years as CNBC's chief international correspondent. Here's Andrew kicking off the discussion. Um, Here right now to talk more about all of this and particularly the market reaction, CNBC contributor Michelle Caruso Cabrera. We have. uh, Good morning. Good morning. It's nice to see you. We have have watched uh, oil prices and you're seeing a little bit uh, of reaction this morning in the markets, but not much. Is that right? In terms of oil, yeah. So if you go back and look at when Iran attacked the Saudi Aramco oil fields, you got to move, but it actually wasn't that big. In fact, when you go back and look at that event and realize how much slack the U.S. could pick up as a result of that attack, I wonder if that wasn't one of the factors that played into the president's mind as w- when he decided whether or not they're going to do this attack. Because 10, 15 years ago, you would say, gosh, if we do this, what's going to happen with oil prices? Now they do this. And I think maybe the Iranian attack on the Saudi Aramco oil fields ultimately may have backfired on them. They, they took down, what, half a capacity, and all they got was like a lousy 10%? I mean, that's nothing. And so fast forward, and now you have a president who thinks he's got more 
uh, room when it comes to the economy. I mean, production to came back online quickly in Saudi Arabia, but, but is, is, is that what did it, or is it that we replace it, and there really is a difference than there was 10 years ago? Oh, there's definitely a difference. So we, we can ago. step up, and it's, it, oh, it's no, yeah. the Straits of Hormuz being closed doesn't... Oh, I, I still think that would be a very big deal, and, and, and don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I don't think we did this because but it's different of now. oil, yeah. but it's different. The, the, all the calculations are completely different. Also, you know, the market's down today. Um, market went up like 12 weeks straight in a row, right. so I don't see this as a huge move. I think because ultimately, talk of war, I estimate, is probably overblown. The Iranians don't have the capacity, the capability. The that economy. Is not their, st- their economy doesn't have the capacity or the capability. Right. Remember, you know, they were putting down protests for two months over the economy. Uh, and more than 100 people died as a result of, of, of them yeah. putting them down. Still, in the region, you understand why the markets there pulled back, why sure. Saudi Aramco pulled back on, on this news, too. Uh, because even though many of those countries are enemies of Iran, they are now waiting to see if any of the retribution takes place on their soil. Yes. If Saudi Aramco is attacked again, it definitely hurts the Saudis, right? It hurts us less. So absolutely, that, that stock should go down. I would also add, though, I mean, it's done nothing but go down since its IPO because it was really a sham. It's a BS IPO. Walk, walk through the permutations with which you see the uh, Iranians attacking us or our, our interests and, what, and how that plays itself out. I, well, nobody knows. No, I know, but I'm just, I'm just curious. As somebody who spent a lot of time in that... In the, in so, that so I've only region. been to Iraq once and I've only been to Iran once, right? I'll say this, that... When I see what happened with, with General Soleimani, he's in charge of the Quds forces for 20 years. What do we know about organizations that have the same person in charge for two decades? What do we know about their succession planning? It's probably not very good. The number one and the number two guy are dead. Now what's happening behind the scenes? I don't know for a fact, but what I assume is everybody's trying to climb over the spoils. There's probably 10 different people who want that job, and they're all fighting for what is a lot of economic power in Iran, because that's why the uh, Iranian Revolutionary Guard right. is so loyal to the Supreme Leader because he hands out economic chits to all these people, right? right? So the, internally what's happening in Iran, I'm sure, is incredibly political and interesting. Um, at the same time, I think they're going to take a considered approach about what they're going to do next. And they don't have the capacity to do a full-on conventional war. What I would be worried about is some kind of cyber attack, mm-hmm. something vicious, something that takes down a power grid. Uh, God forbid the water supply. Who knows? Um, I mean, there's evidence that I think in 2013 or 14 that the Iranian cyber war criminals had gotten into Rye, New York, to a dam that was here. Right. They weren't able to actually release any water because it had been taken offline at that moment. I remember when $63 would have been, wow, we're down to $63 on oil. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it used to, didn't take much to get it to 100 Right. We get incredibly acclimated to wherever we've been for the past six, eight, 10 months. And for some reason, we thought 50 was, we, I didn't think we'd ever think 50 was the normal price again for a while when we were up at 80 and 90. So 63 is not a huge damper to, to global growth. Well, that's, what, that's what we need to think about, isn't it? At this point, if it's not a really, uh, if, if we don't have a full-fledged war, the, the financial markets mostly are going to be concerned with what happens with oil, right? Is that yes. where we are right now? Yes, and, but and remember, six- the, the dynamics of oil have changed dramatically because we are now producers 
of a large That's what I mean. So 63 scale, right? just doesn't, that's not even $4 a gallon, is it? it, it maybe we're just getting close, but. I, I'm old enough to remember when I was paying a dollar a gallon. I know, I remember less than that. Yeah. You can, uh, <laughs> I'm, try, I'm, I'm just trying to understand, the, going back to not just the cyber issue, yep. but thinking about U.S. embassies, thinking about mm-hmm. Israel, thinking about other proxy, either states or places, and then what happens afterwards. Because to me, that's the bigger issue. That's the escalation. If, that's the escalation. In, in, in terms of destabilization in the Middle East? Right, and therefore the, the, the real cost. And I know we're not really, uh, you know, we're talking about the cost of oil right the second, but I think there's sort of a larger issue, no? Or you think it's just straight oil? Oil's so, the only sort of economic Well, I mean, we're on CNBC interest. and we're talking, no, no, no. Right? I mean, that, that's, yeah, that's the purview from which I look at it. Is there destabilization in the Middle East? Absolutely, but it's been going on since... I mean, for decades and decades and decades, right? I mean, you can go back to 1953 right. when Kit Roosevelt overthrew the elected leader of Iran. Um, we can't go back and undo all of that. I think what but, you point out, though, is that U.S. interests aren't necessarily aligned with all of the countries that are there. And that has been pretty clear, I think, to Saudi Arabia recently, too, that just because they've had problems with Iran doesn't mean the U.S. is going to step in. It wasn't until the U.S. embassy was attacked right. that the president took these steps and really went after these issues. So sometimes you, you may be in a situation where your interests align. Other times you may not. And you are going to see more and more dichotomy. Our, our interests with Saudi Arabia are less aligned because we don't need them as much as we used to. Breaking news uh, du jour on Boeing. The company is considering plans to raise more debt. That's according to the Wall Street Journal. That would help bolster finances that had been strained by the grounding of the 737 MAX. And separately, Boeing and the FAA confirmed yesterday that they're reviewing a wiring issue uh, that could potentially cause a short circuit. On top of the MCAS system and anything that happens with that? And this this isn't a lot of information because it's a wiring issue that involves a couple of bundles, wiring bundles that are too close together. I don't know what it controls or anything, but it's uh, looking into what it would take to separate them or shield them. I don't know if it has anything to do with anything that's happened. It's in the yeah. tail, apparently, and but apparently if nothing one of the to do wires with any of this, were to... So. No, it has nothing to do with MCAS, but if, right. if, if apparently the wires were to get shorted out or something and the pilot didn't realize that it could create a problem... I mean, they, these are... But I, I don't think these are as critical issues. I don't want to, I don't want to speculate. They're all, as the MCAS, they're all critical, it sounds like. But as, as the MCAS right. issue is. I would think the wiring you could fix. Do you remember it was years ago and there was... One of the engines, you know, sort of came apart, and and it went, and one of the wires that controlled the ailerons or whatever it was got severed, so that the pilot lost control of the ailerons. So they they had to address that. But I would think, how many wiring bundles are there on a lots, lots, hundred thousand or so? I don't know. So it's weird. We don't know a lot. In another Wall Street Journal report, the FAA said to be considering mandatory flight simulator training before U.S. pilots can operate the planes again. The FAA had rejected this idea just months ago as unnecessary, but it's since gained momentum among safety experts. Mandatory training would mean more costs uh, and more delays for the airlines. That goes back to the original reasoning behind this being labeled a 737. The 737 MAX, it's a pretty different plane than the ones that had come before it, but because it was grouped in with the 737, it was meant it right. that Boeing could then tell the airlines they didn't have to spend as much time training their pilots and going through with these issues. Netflix, we talk about sort of 
pivoting from one right. serious issue to maybe a less serious issue. But uh, Netflix uh, fell short during last night's Golden Globe Awards. Uh, it scored a whopping 17 nominations, but just only two wins. Olivia Coleman for Best Actress in a Drama uh, TV Series for The Crown. And uh, Laura Dern for Best Supporting Actress for her role in Marriage Story. Uh, Sony's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood took Best Picture in the Comedy or Musical category and also earned a Quentin Tarantino a Best Screenplay Award. Universal's 1917 won the Best Picture for the Drama category, and Sam Mendes uh, won for Best Director. AT&T's HBO won four awards in TV categories. Disney won three for shows on Hulu and FX. Golden Globes... Host Ricky Gervais, though, took an opportunity to take a shot at Hollywood A-listers. And we should mention uh, Tim Cook uh, sitting in the audience. They had a cutaway shot of him right before that because he he sort of had made a nice comment about Apple and then, of course, proceeded uh, to lambast him. Later in the the program, Sasha Baron Cohen was on stage and took a, a shot at Mark Zuckerberg. So they had to know by inviting Ricky Gervais what they were in for. And this is his, this is his <laughs> fifth time doing it. Yeah. He said it's his last time doing it. Um, we'll see. It's very funny. I, I, I wish they had cutaway shots of everybody uh, in the room actually during, during those moments. Uh, historically, Jeff Bezos has been there. I don't know if he was there this year. Of course, uh, the folks from Netflix and everybody else. But the real shot prior to this was what he said about Apple specifically, which is he said it's sweat, you know, sweatshops in China. That was the, that was the line. He got some shots in on, on everyone. Weinstein and Epstein and yeah. the Tom the Hanks. The Epstein thing, thing was funny. Was there a shot of Tom Hanks? Yes, Tom Hanks. I don't know what he was reacting to, though. I've seen the yeah. shot, but I don't know what Tom Hanks was reacting to that, yeah. what to you this just saw. Part that he just um, I don't know if we have an image of Tom Hanks. I mean, I he, wish... He was, uh, that's a leader drudge. I read that. I was like, God, It was love. a tough pick. I love Ricky Gervais. I didn't know I loved him. I, I didn't like... A couple years ago, he said something to some... I thought it was really cruel to some guy in the... I don't know. I forget what it was. He said he only regretted one joke that he told, and it was about... Tim Allen, because he introduced Tim Allen and Tom Hanks and said, one of these guys is, you know, a, a producer, a director, a writer, and has his movies have grossed three and a half billion, and the other person is Tim Allen. Uh, so he said something like that, which was a little bit, he said he regretted that, but he's... You know, you know what he says before he does his routine always, he says, just remember, folks, these are just jokes. Yeah. Joe was yeah, so life. was life, though. I mean, it, yeah. he's really talking, basically no, undercut, I mean, are truer words ever spoken about actors? I mean, he says you're, someone's noticed you were pretty in high school, so you thought you didn't have to learn another thing since then, and now you think you're in a position to, you know, proselytize and preach. Uh, it was awesome. Cheese will be next. Next on Squawk Pod, crisis management expert Eric Desenhall explains the nuance in Carlos Ghosn's flight from Japan and what's next for the prosecution. You can't separate a media defense from a legal defense in something high profile like this. One of the first things that happens when you tell a jury, don't read the internet or the newspaper, is they Google the defendant. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. Track Alpha. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Roll Alpha. 
We're getting new details in the caper that kicked off 2020. Former Nissan Renault CEO Carlos Ghosn's escape from Japan, where he had been on house arrest facing charges of financial crimes. The Wall Street Journal reports that Ghosn's escape involved a 300-mile sprint across Japan from his court-monitored home in Tokyo to the Osaka airport, where he was smuggled inside a large black box generally used for concert equipment with breathing holes drilled in the bottom. There were early reports that he was in an instrument case, maybe for a large double bass, but imagine more a crate to hold speakers. Whatever the case was intended for, it was loaded with a former titan of the car industry inside onto a private jet where two U.S. security operatives were waiting, and one was an ex-Green Beret with a history of rescuing hostages. A spokesman for the Osaka airport said all luggage too large for x-ray scanning is supposed to be opened by security staff. But a source told the journal that at the private jet terminal, oversized baggage is often overlooked. That plane took Gon to Turkey, where he changed to another plane before flying to Lebanon, where he holds citizenship. And new, just today, Japanese officials broke days of silence about the case, saying they would tighten measures around people leaving Japan and promised an investigation into this incident in particular. Carlos Gon is still in Beirut in a secret location. He is expected to begin telling his story this week. By the way, there was some great reporting over the weekend. Some of those journal stories were just incredible. I mean, the box, did you see the it image? It was the audio, was the audio the equipment. Yeah, have, it it um, wasn't a, a double base. Uh, and then how case. they decided which airport to go out of. Because these, if you have an oversized box at this particular airport for, uh, for private aviation, they can't put it through a security, they can't actually put it through, the, uh, through the metal through the detector. Metal detector right. And given that they think it's a, it was a low terrorism risk for private, private aviation, they don't wand it or force people to open it up, which they're supposed to do. Right. But this there seems was, like a SWAT team. The of, idea that there were holes drilled in the bottom. But there seems to be a, there were, to he, he have a team of people, yeah. 15 people who for have been traveling back and forth to Japan to look at all the different options, looking at, at right. 10 different airports to figure out where they could do it, where the, the vulnerability was, and then to decide this was how they were going to do it. It's pretty extraordinary. It is. Uh, let's bring in crisis management expert Eric Desenhall. He's the CEO of Desenhall Resources. And Eric, thanks for being here. Thank you. So you see how we are learning more about this. You hear the stories that are coming out. And your take as a crisis management executive is what? My take is that there is no way that you can separate the escape from the legal strategy going forward. You know, normally in the corporate defenses I've worked on, there's a lot of nuance. A judge goes before a jury and says, according to Sorkin versus Quick, you cannot prosecute this particular charge. And one by one, something is either knocked off or a jury acquits on it. What's different? I, I'm not other. prosecuting her. <laughs> right. I'm not prosecuting her. Well, I want I want no reason at the moment. Leave you're, me out of this. You mean you're unfamiliar with the esteemed case of Sorkin versus Quick? I, I thought everybody Sorkin knew versus that Kern one. and I understand. Yeah. Okay. Sorkin versus different. Quick is harder. But but here's the thing. The you thing is, is that, that what this strategy will come down to is an unusual one, which is one of audacity. You could call it the Shawshank defense, which is, hmm. yes, I escaped from prison, but I was wrongly accused. And the, prosec- and the prison and the prosecution was medieval. Well, that's he's, already, a, he's basically already said that, hasn't he? Well, that, that, that's right. But that, it's very difficult after an escape like this to go back to legal nuance. And so what I think you're going to be seeing in his news conference or whatever he does is a very audacious, high concept, swinging hard, very back at this. Now, the good, there's good and bad news here. The bad news is people tend not to be very sympathetic to CEOs. The good news is 
that there is a, a real dislike of, of hyperactive prosecutions. And where I've seen strategies like this work is when you can make the argument that a prosecution was draconian. And his audience here is not the general public. It is prosecutors, it is judges, it is juries. And they have to really understand in a clear way why this prosecution and imprisonment was unholy. Okay, so there is risk for Carlos Ghosn. There is also risk for the Japanese government. If he is oh, going yeah. to come out swinging and saying, look... This is their their justice system is unjust. I was never given the opportunity for a fair trial. I was never treated properly uh, and I was wrongfully charged. What, what is the risk for Japan on this and how aggressive are they going to be with going after him and allowing this to continue to stay in the headlines? Well, the biggest data point that I've seen and I don't know, I can't verify it, is that 99 percent of prosecutions like this end up in conviction. That is a very disturbing statistic. And what I would be looking at if I were representing Japan is whether or not that is a true statistic. Because if, if it is, it's very difficult to make the argument that that is fair. I mean, the average person, even people who don't like CEOs, don't like hearing that 99% of prosecutions end up in convictions and may very well be able to flip the villain here to the victim. And that's what you do in cases like this, where everybody looks at these things, who's the victim, who's the villain? And so the, Japan is going, to have to defend, uh, is going to have to defend against that. So what do they do? What's their move? Their move is they have to show precisely why this is not an unfair system to a defendant. And I don't know what their data points are there. So but basically that, this entire case is going to be litigated in the media from here out. Well, to the extent that, that look, you can't separate um, a media defense from a legal defense in something high profile like this. This is not something you can do exclusively in a court because judges, I mean, one of the first things that happens when you tell a jury don't read the Internet or the newspaper is they Google the defendant. And so you're going to see a media strategy here, and it's going to have to be something that is communicated right. in terms but that Eric, people understand. But, Eric, here's the thing that I, that I don't understand. Okay. Ultimately, even if he were to win in the court of public opinion, right? So let's just assume he wins in the court of public opinion, it's still going to be very complicated for him to ever, I would imagine, be very hard to leave Lebanon in the future. I, I agree because with you. Because once he goes to another country that has extradition, whether, whether he has the, the public support or not is almost beside the point. Because it I imagine the, the Japanese point. will call whomever the country is that he's in and uh, try to haul him back there. And if you believe justice is fair or not fair or just the fact, frankly, that he escaped unto itself, I imagine, I haven't even looked into it, how, how long a sentence that unto itself carries. Well, the, the first thing you have to look at when you are an attorney or a crisis manager is what is the best achievable outcome, right. not is what the best fantasy outcome is. And so in a lot of cases I've worked on, the best achievable outcome is an acquittal. It is not the restoring of a reputation. And so to me, the best case here is that he is unable to be prosecuted or he is unsuccessfully prosecuted in certain regions. The objective here is not a restoration of his of reputation or a return to being CEO of a company. All right, Erica, I, I get the feeling we'll need to talk to you about this more as this continues. Oh, this is a fun one. Coming up, it's not the Weight Watchers you know. The new WW uses tech and trust to gain healthier users. How do we know when you're starting to fall off? And how do we motivate you and give you those incentives? And the 400% stock surge thanks to Oprah 
doesn't hurt either. Squawk Pod, we'll be right back. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. If a friend asks how you're doing and you say, I'm okay. When the truth is, I don't want my problems to burden anyone. Or you say, Hang it in there. Because if I ask for help, they'll just think I'm weak. Then this is your sign to call, text, or chat. 988 for free confidential support. Anytime. You don't have to hide how you feel. Bye. You're listening to Squawk Box. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC, live from the Nasdaq market site in Times Square. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. WW International I partnered with Oprah Winfrey back in 2015 when it was still known as Weight Watchers. The stock's had some uh, turbulence since its recent highs in 2018. It's up more than 85% over the past six months and up more than 400% uh, since the Oprah partnership was announced. As 2020 begins, the company is banking on expanding that alliance during its now Mindy Grossman, president and CEO of WW International. And you're on this, this 2020 vision tour. And you said that you didn't specifically look at me, but you did invite us uh, to come to <laughs> the tour. And I was explaining to you that, that acceptance is one of the first. Uh, I'm resisting, but acceptance is one of the first steps. Toward it is. And what we say is everybody has a why. What's yeah. the why that all of a sudden says to you, I need to do something for myself? Yeah. And I think that's what everyone's going through. It's consciousness, it's awareness, and then it becomes engraved behavior change. And that's really what this tour is about is, you know, it was there this weekend, 15,000 people for eight hours galvanized around this idea of intention and purposeful reappraisal of your life and what you want to do for yourself and it's this idea of the combination of self-care and self-responsibility that people have. And I spent a lot of time just looking at people's faces, you know, and it was laughter and crying. But in, in most of it, it's radical reappraisal. And people were walking out. And for us, I know they're going to walk out. And it's not just touching those 15,000 people. It's what those people are going to do once they've left. How much of it is beginning of the new year? And that's when we all have some reassessment. Of well, look, it's stocks. Pavlovian. Yeah. You know, you're coming into the new year and that's why it's such an important part of the year. Um, and that kickoff, you know, we launched our newest program ever, MyWW, on November 11th, and it has resonated in every market. And the whole idea of it is customization and personalization around what program is right for you. So it's appealed to existing, new, and lapsed members. It's been our most popular program ever. Uh, and so we're really seeing that resonate. And 
you know, that's what's exciting to go into 2020 with momentum. You mentioned we had a softer start to last year, but the team has done an incredible job of galvanizing the business since then. We ended Q3 at 4.4 million members, the highest ever in Q3. For the first time, we announced that we were over 10 months retention and we've raised guidance three quarters in a row. And I was also thrilled to uh, end the decade with the 10th year of U.S. News and World Report, you know, number one for diet. And as much as we have now built primarily through the integration of all our technology and what we're doing in the field, an ecosystem of well-being, we're never going to abdicate our leadership in healthy weight loss built on okay, community. So business questions slash news you can use for okay. all of us who were at the gym yesterday. Mm-hmm. A lot of us are good till about March, right? <laughs> and then it's, we seem to fall off the wagon. So, and this is a churn issue in your business. So what is the trick to staying on and what's the trick for your business to keeping them on? So it's about engagement. We talk about retention a lot, but what the team is, teams are completely focused on is how do we keep people engaged? And we've invested significantly in the technology, particularly around personalization. We just built our third tech hub in Toronto, very focused on that, AI, et cetera. So how do we know when you're starting to fall off? And how do we motivate you and give you those incentives? And it's just like anything else. Part of it is gamification. It's the psychology of how do you stay motivated? Would you ever buy a company? I'm wearing an aura ring, but mm-hmm. uh, there's a, a thing called the whoop band, which a lot of people are wearing that athletes are Would you ever get into, like, directly into that business? So we have a big focus on sleep. We actually just finished a pilot. You're going to be hearing a lot more about that from us. So for us, it's less about a device and more about what do you do. Um, But sleep, stress, I think you're seeing, I mean, CS is going on right now. Probably health and wellness is their fastest growing category. We get up at three and you're back. So it's both very very difficult. So it used to be about appearance. Now it's just about wellness, psychological wellness, physical wellness. Oh, it's wellness. so much. It's about you know, we use the expression, healthy is the new skinny. Right. And, you know, it's not to be flippant. It's true. What no, is I know. What else is a zero? Uh, egg, I, hard-boiled Well, egg now there zero. are three programs, and actually on the purple program, there's over 300 zero-point foods. It includes whole wheat pasta, okay. grain, et cetera. So you get matched to the program that's best for you. Um, you might be purple. I might need, need a purple need to take the assessment. Eggs are good. Eggs are zero. Eggs I can count on. And you can have Eggs one any time. Well, well, what I like to say is, I know how to make w, w, you can yeah. eat anything. You just can't eat everything. <laughs> okay. All right. All right. I need it. 12 steps, I think. But the first step always is uh, the first step admit is there's a higher power. The called, first uh, step is acknowledgement. You have yeah. to get have your to mindset into, okay. I want to do this. All right. All right. Okay. I have a trainer, at least. That's what you need to get through March. You, well, 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 so, yes, you can have a trainer, but understand I have to show up. I'm paying that 70, money. 75% is going to be about nutrition, and then certainly yeah, okay. you That's want the activity. All the food. So it's all food, That's Joe. That's a problem. I'm going to go get a cinnamon roll. Thank you. Abs are made in the kitchen. So hopefully I'll see you in Brooklyn. Uh, abs are made in the kitchen. That's Squawk Pod for today. On our rundown tomorrow, the top 10 surprises that could impact 2020. A longtime market watcher shares his strategy for staying out of trouble. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. 
Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. You mean you're unfamiliar with the esteemed case of Sorkin versus Quick? I, I thought everybody Sorkin knew Sorkin versus that Kern one. and I understand. Yeah. Okay. Sorkin versus Quick is harder. To get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. 